We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Well, it's actually happened. Hell has officially frozen over. The progressive magazine, The Atlantic, carries a story with this headline. The liberals who can't quit lockdown. And then it goes on to discuss how progressives have left scientific evidence behind. The story and more. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. As you know, yesterday the topic was fear. And I shared with you some biblical passages that address this issue. And I also shared with you a story out of Great Britain from The Telegraph. This story was the use of fear to control behavior in the COVID crisis was totalitarian. And some scientists in Great Britain on a government panel that's called the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on Behavior. I'll say that one more time for you. The Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on Behavior. Its acronym is SPI-B. This group of people, of experts, that was put together by the government of Great Britain is actually admitting that they weaponized fear to control the British population. And you know I spent some time talking about that article. Again, the title of that article, in case you missed it yesterday, and if you want to write it down, if you want to Google this or search for this, whatever search engine you use, if you want to search for this article in The Telegraph, the date of the article, its publication date, was May 14th, May 14th, 2021, obviously. It was written by Gordon, excuse me, Gordon Rayner, R-A-Y-N-E-R. Title again, The Use of Fear to Control Behavior in COVID Crisis Was Totalitarian, Admit Scientists. Now, I spent enough time on that article yesterday, but basically... Basically, it's an article that comes right out with multiple quotes from these people that serve on this panel where they're admitting that they grab power to drive through things that wouldn't happen otherwise. That's a quote from one of the people on the panel, that they grabbed power. They used the pandemic to grab power. I'm going to say it one more time. They used the pandemic to grab power and drive through things that wouldn't have happened otherwise. They grabbed power. They grabbed the ring. J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. What's the point of the ring in that story? One ring to rule them all. One ring to bind them. One ring to rule them all. One ring to bind them. It's the temptation of power. That power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when you can have that much power over others, over other human beings, over culture, over a country, over a community, over policy, when you have power, it's one of the greatest temptations that the human being has ever faced. Power. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. They grabbed power 
and used it, weaponized fear to control the British population. And I said yesterday that if you think it's only happening over the pond on the other side of the Atlantic, that only the British people have succumbed to this mind control, this use of power, this manipulation of fear to control citizens, to shut down businesses, shut down churches, actually, quite frankly, even shut down governments, at least functioning governments, constitutional governments, were shut down. Our freedoms were taken away because of fear. And yesterday, as you know, I used some Bible verses. I'm going to do it again, uh, abbreviated version today. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, Moses's successor. Be strong and courageous. The Apostle Paul, St. Paul. Be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be anxious for nothing. These are passages in Scripture that tell us what our mindset must be. Were they directly uh, attributed to cases in the battle for freedom? Uh, you You might be able to argue that for Joshua as he led the Exodus, as he took the baton from Moses and led the Jewish people into the promised land, you could argue that when he said be strong and courageous, that it was contextualized in the march for freedom. But even if you don't want to go there, the point is your mindset, being strong and courageous, being steadfast and immovable, being anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, being thankful for the situation you're in, not fearful about it is a mindset that leads to leads to prosperity and success. Not financial prosperity and success, but you will prosper as a human being if you have your focus on the right things rather than the wrong things. That's the message here. And if you're constantly hiding in fear, your attitude is in the wrong place and you're going to be controlled by it. And you won't prosper. You won't be successful. You'll be controlled by somebody else, or you'll be controlled by yourself, by your own sins or someone else's sins. The sins of others grasping the ring of power to control you, or your own sins, where you're allowing yourself to be controlled by something that's negative rather than positive. That was yesterday's show. Today's show, I want to deal with an article that I didn't get time to get into, and that's the story from The Atlantic. Before we get into it, however, let's just... uh, Take our break early. Remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. Patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. Don't forget to go out and buy my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. That can be purchased at any of your bookstores out there. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Target, Thrift Books, whoever you like to buy your books from. You can go... By Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So this story in The Atlantic is really quite fascinating. Now, I don't agree with everything this writer says. Her name's Emma Green, by the way. This was published May 4th, 2021, so quite recent. Emma Green, she writes this story. The title is, the headline of the story is, The liberals who can't quit lockdown. 
And this caught my attention immediately. I'm thinking, okay, this is the Atlantic. This is not the National Review. This is not the Federalist. This is not a conservative-leaning periodical or newspaper magazine or website. This is the Atlantic. Now, the Atlantic sometimes carries interesting level-headed stuff, but the Atlantic can be left of center. And I have no idea where Emma Green is in her political or her religious leanings. I could guess, but I don't know. But what I do know is this article is well worth the read. It's lengthy. don't have time to deal with the whole thing today. But its premise, its main point, is fascinating. She's admitting it. She actually wrote a long article for The Atlantic, which calls out liberals. They're not classical liberals. These aren't people that believe in liberty and freedom. These are progressive liberals, people that believe that the ongoing march of human intellect will bring us to the land of utopia. These are people that would buy in to the Joe Biden, Kamala Harris regime, where the smart folks should uh, set policy for all the rest of us, and we should just bow in subservience to them. These are those kind of liberals. They're progressives. And in fact, Emma Green even admits that in the subtitle of the article, because it says progressive communities have been home to some of the fiercest battles over COVID-19 policies, and some liberal, liberal policymakers have left scientific evidence behind. So in Emma Green's mind, progressives and liberals are synonymous, interchangeable terms. One more time on that subtitle. Progressive communities have been home to some of the fiercest battles over the COVID-19 policies, and some liberal policymakers have left scientific evidence behind. Mic drop right there. Boom. They've left scientific evidence behind. Liberal policymakers, progressive policymakers, the smarter-than-thou folks in Washington, D.C. have left scientific evidence behind. That's for sure. We've talked about that numerous times on this show. They've left the scientific evidence behind that a man can't be a woman, that a man can't bear children. They've left the scientific evidence behind on discussions of climate change, global warming, sexuality, gender identity, subjective identity claims, the empirical evidence that socialism results in the death of hundreds of millions of people rather than the life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness of the same, progressives definitely don't pay attention to the empirical evidence before our very eyes. And what she's suggesting in this article, she's not just suggesting it, she's saying in this article that there's another there's another uh, bit of evidence here that they've left scientific evidence behind, and that is their response to the COVID-19 crisis. Here's the opening salvo from the article. Lurking among the jubilant, Americans venturing back out to bars and planning their summer wedding travel is a different group, liberals, who aren't quite ready to let go of pandemic restrictions. She goes on, from this subset, diligence against COVID-19 remains an expression of political identity even when that means overestimating the disease's risks or setting limits far more restrictive than what public health guidelines permits. 
She then goes in to a survey that's been conducted where it demonstrates that Democrats express more worry, fear, more worry about the pandemic than Republicans do. People who describe themselves as very liberal are distinctly anxious. Do you hear that? This survey that's being reported by The Atlantic, by Emma Green, on May 4th, 2021, specifically says it's empirical evidence, scientific evidence, folks, the facts before your very eyes. It's not written on the basis of subjective feelings. This is a pursuit of what's factual and true. Good for the Atlantic, good for the people that conducted this survey. And it shows that Democrats, progressives, express more worry, i.e. fear, about the pandemic than Republicans do, conservatives do. People who describe themselves as very liberal, you know, the super progressives, are distinctly anxious. 43% of very liberal respondents to this survey believe that getting the coronavirus would be very bad. Now stop and think about that and that alone. I'm just in the opening couple sentences of this article. And it already says that Democrats express more worry about the pandemic than Republicans do. And those who describe themselves as very liberal believe that getting the coronavirus would be very bad and would affect their life in very negative ways. Now, the response to this might be that, well, the reason for the difference is obvious. Progressives believe in science. They believe that the coronavirus is real. It's the conservatives who are the disease deniers, these anti-vaxxers, these people that won't wear masks, these people that refuse to social distance, these folks that want to go to church, these folks that want to go receive communion. They're the ones, they're the ones who are ignoring the science. Well, that's not the case. It's actually the exact opposite. And this article admits it. Keep in mind, we're talking about a disease that has been proven, scientifically proven, statistically proven to have a 99% survival rate, but yet 43%, I'm going to say those percentages one more time, a 99% survival rate, but yet 43% of, excuse me, of progressives, of liberals, say that the consequences could be very bad. Now, how in the world could you possibly draw that conclusion? 43% of you when there's a 99% survival rate. In other words, 1% might have consequences that are very bad. 99 out of 100 will be okay. Now, the story goes on. Emma Green in her story goes on. And she says this. This is a story about progressives who stressed the scientific evidence just yesterday, but they veered away from it now. One more time, this is a story about progressives who have stressed the scientific evidence over and over again. That's their mantra. Follow the science, Joe Biden, right? Follow the science. AOC, correct? Global warming, pandemic, follow the science. These people who have been stressing that we should follow the science, are now veering away from it. That's the Atlantic's language. She goes on in her article, and she says, for many progressives, it's been about opposing Donald Trump. They're admitting that. 
It was a deeply felt frustration. It may have been a knee-jerk reaction on how they handled the pandemic. Here's a quote. If he said, keep schools open, then, well, we're going to do everything in our power to keep schools closed. This is the attitude that they brought to the pandemic. They politicized medicine. When you make medical decisions political, you're going to hurt people. You're going to take away their freedoms. You're going to hurt their health rather than help their health because you aren't attending to the science any longer. You're attending to your emotions, your anger, your resentment, your political feelings about, in this case, Donald Trump and the conservatives that supported him. The article goes on and says that liberal participants in the survey tended to be much more neurotic, fearful, anxious, and neurotic. Public health advice has been shifting, but the progressives will not update their behavior based on the new information, says Emma Green. As scientific knowledge of COVID-19 has increased, some progressives have continued to embrace policies and behavior and behaviors that aren't supported by evidence. Public figures and policymakers who try to dictate others' behavior without any scientific justification for doing so erode trust in public health and make people less willing to take useful precautions. That's one of her conclusions. Absolutely. When people are lied to over and over again, they tend to be less trusting of those who have been lying to them. And when public figures and policymakers try to dictate our behavior without attending to the scientific evidence and ignoring it and doing things that are exactly the opposite of what the evidence says, it erodes trust in anything that they tell us in the future about public health and what we should do in terms of vaccination or other precautions. They have set us up to have a complete unmitigated disaster the next time there's a health crisis in the United States because about 50% of the people in the United States won't believe anything they tell us. And for some good reason, because we're watching this thing play out on a daily basis. They're telling us to wear masks while we jog in the park alone. That makes no sense. They're telling us that you can go to a casino and engage in an activity, but you can't go to a church and engage in worship with the same number of people in probably a less compromising environment. This makes no sense. They're ignoring the fact that 99% of the people that get this disease recover. They're ignoring it to the extent that 43% of these people are actually telling us that they're fearful that something very negative will ha happen in their life if they get this disease. That's the problem we have right now. When you start politicizing medicine, you're going to get some very negative outcomes. Here's another quote from the article. Scientists, academics, and writers who have argued that some very low-risk activities are worth doing, such as vacations, etc., have faced backlash. Emily Oster, an economist from Brown University, told The Atlantic that families should plan to take their kids on trips this summer and see friends and relatives 
And as the result of that, her department received an email from a frustrated fan. And she said that Emily Oster, this faculty member at Brown, should be promoted to a new leadership role established at Brown University called the Chairman of Genocide Encouragement. (laughs) Can you believe that? Just because she said that the pandemic is over and that if you've been vaccinated, you can plan on taking your kids on a vacation this summer. Somebody who heard her say that sent her department an email saying that she should be promoted to the chair of genocide encouragement. We've lost our minds because we don't attend to the facts and we govern ourselves on the basis of feelings. And in this particular case, the feeling is fear and it's being weaponized to control you. Dave Rubin, I'm going to close with this. Dave Rubin, in a recent uh, podcast for Prager University, said this. Go, go get this one. I don't have time to read the whole thing. I don't know that you want me to. You can read it yourself. But here are some highlights. He starts out by saying, there's a mass affliction spreading throughout the Western world. It's called the bravery deficit. He goes on, he says, there's an understandable temptation And it is this, to think that this politically correct madness will soon end. All of the things that we're being subjected to in the cancel culture and whatnot, he lists off several of those things. And he said there's an understanding temptation to think that all of this politically correct madness will soon end. It'll just die out on its own. It'll go away. The control, the masking mandates, the shaming, the virtue signaling, the cancel culture, the judging of others from those who claim that we have no right to judge, the lack of tolerance from those who claim to be tolerant, the hate from those who claim to hate hate. All of this stuff is just going to go away. There's a temptation to believe so. Well, Rubin says it won't, and I agree with him. If you're one of the people who believes that if you just remain quiet, that things will get better, well, Ruben says, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're a frog in a slowly boiling pot, and it doesn't end well for the frog. So what are we to do? What can you do? Ruben says, believe it or not, the solution is not that hard. Step one, think for yourself. Step two, say it out loud. That's his advice, and it's good advice. Now, as you know, I disagree with Dave Rubin on a lot of things. If you listen to the show frequently, you know that I had the privilege of being on his show when I released my book, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Dave Rubin and I disagree on a lot of issues with regard to personal morality and personal decisions. But here's where we do agree. Liberty freedom. When I was on Dave Rubin's show, I told him over and over again, Mr. Rubin, if you want liberty, you have to have law. If you want freedom, there has to be offense. When you get rid of the big laws of God, you don't get liberty. You get thousands and thousands of little laws that rush in to fill the vacuum. God gave us 10 simple laws. We refuse to live by them. And what has happened? We get reams upon reams of little laws, and now they're telling us we have to wear masks. 
that we have to use certain pronouns. If we refuse to be delusional and deny the reality of the singular person, if we refuse to call a singular person a they or a them rather than he or she, then we will be canceled, we will be silenced, we will be deplatformed. Ruben knows because a lot of this stuff has happened to him. Not necessarily on the they and them and the pronoun stuff, but because he dared to express some conservative ideas in a world, his world, that was incredibly progressive, hyper-progressive. And he realized that they were consuming their own, that progressivism is cannibalistic. They eat their own. Dare to step out of line, you will be consumed. You will be canceled. Well, Reuben goes on. He goes on, and he says this. After he says the solution is not hard, step one, think for yourself. Step two, say it out loud. He says this. Just because a former bartender says the world is going to end in 12 years because of climate change doesn't mean it's true. Just because a filmmaker says we should model our health care system on Cuba's doesn't mean that's a good idea. Ruben then says, your most important job as a human being is to stand up for the things you believe in. Be better than those who would silence you, deplatform you, and mob you. How? Just stop being afraid. That's Ruben. I'm still quoting him. How? Think for yourself. Say it out loud. Be better than those who would silence you, deplatform you, and mob you. How? Just stop being afraid. Stop the fear. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your request made known unto the Lord. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Reuben again. The mob depends on the fact that everyone is scared. Don't give them power. Be strong and courageous. This is me again, the Bible. Be steadfast and immovable. Be anxious for nothing. Back to Reuben. All of the successes of America and the Western values that gave birth to America are being eroded as we speak. You can't just blame Hollywood, the media, and the political establishment any longer. It's time to look in the mirror. Think of the bravery of your grandparents and your ancestors before them, who undoubtedly had it far worse than you do today. If they were brave, then you can be brave too. You are the solution. You're the solution to the bravery deficit. Just stop being afraid. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.